welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, and we have returning guest Zach Bird in the studio. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Welcome back to your garage. Yeah. Thank you for having me at Mm -hmm. my house. Um, That's something that people should know about me is that if I'm part of your life, a lot of our interactions will be me saying, hey, can I use your house to record? I think um, executive producer Scott McNulty can attest to that. Um, and uh, it's just what I do is I show up with a, uh, a metal briefcase full of microphones and such. And I say, can you pipe down? I'm recording. And now I have nowhere to sleep. That's. Yeah. But it's worth it, you know, for the good content. Um So, all right. All right. So today we're doing an episode about Ryan Adams because he's been in the headlines lately for some scandalous behavior and we can't wait to unpack it. But first and foremost, we want to establish who the fuck is Ryan Adams? So uh, he's got 16 albums. They're all covers, every one of them. Uh, no, that's not true. I don't know that much about him, but he has 16 albums and I guess seven Grammy nominations. He's currently 44 years old and uh, seems like kind of a douchebag. Uh, yeah, you had you already didn't like him. So yes. when the bad headlines came out, you were so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote in my notes, he's born in 1974. So just let's. Give us the kind of perspective on how old this dude is. Yeah. Apparently, he did four albums with a band called Whiskey Town. And then this is how I know of him is his second solo album was called Gold. And the f- he refused to promote it because he's kind of a brat. And he's like, I'm not going to do the radio talk show circuit, which like granted that does suck. But also if it's your job, I think you just do it. Yeah. Because like I don't want to do my job, but like I have to. So I do. Um, But he lucked out because the first single on Gold was a song called New York, New York. And he filmed a music video for that song uh, in front of the New York skylines where the Twin Towers were prominently uh, featured. And they filmed it four days before 9-11 happened. So this song was an instant hit because it came out immediately. It was just kind of good timing that he wrote a love song to New York, did a video in front of the Twin Towers. They got blown up. And now... They, it's just constantly being so played. So what you're saying is that he's responsible, in fact, for 9-11. Often when you're trying to solve a crime, what you do is say, who benefited right. from this? <laughs> Ryan <So>. Adams. <laughs> and he, his whole career, I would think at least his mainstream fame, benefited from 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we cracked the case. All right. And that's the episode. <laughs> Thank yep. you. Um yeah, you knew a lot of stuff that I didn't. I didn't know any of that. So my um, knowledge of him comes from uh, hearing a few shitty songs and that I didn't want to hear. <laughs> and then um, this, uh, the, the Strokes beef. Tell uh, us about the Strokes beef. All right. So. Because right now it just sounds real sexy. Yeah. The strokes stroke, beef. Stroking his beef. Uh, so in the book called uh meet me in the bathroom there's a chapter well they interview ryan adams uh killers interpol the strokes anybody that was a part of the new york scene from like uh two early 2000s late 90s and um yeah just around that time and uh i guess they were friends but in the book um they're interviewing different people that's all the book is it doesn't it she has kind of a clever way of telling the story where it's just like she'll bring up a topic and then interview different people from those bands. And Albert Hammond uh, and Julian Casablancas from uh, The Strokes were talking about how Ryan was into drugs. And I think I have some quotes here. Um, but uh, here we go. This is Albert Hammond Jr. from The Strokes Guitars, who I just saw recently, and it was awesome. So I like them. Okay, <laughs> but, so we're on Team Strokes. We're on. I am. I am. But uh, anyway, he said, 
Ryan would always come and wake me at two in the morning and have drugs. So I'd just do the drugs and kind of numb out, Hammond said in the oral history. Uh, this is all from the New York Times article, by the way, uh, where I'm getting this. But I'm sorry, from Meet Me in the Bathroom book in the New York Times article. Okay. Uh I knew I would shoot up drugs from a very young age. I'd been wanting to do heroin since I was 14 years old. Uh, so that's just Albert Hammond Jr. Um, but then it kind of goes on from there. Um, once the book came out, Ryan Adams shot back at the strokes. I really think if he hadn't said anything and just kind of let it die, because it might have just died a slow death mm -hmm. because the strokes haven't responded to any of this. But anyway, so he says, uh, Ryan Adams says, Albert Hammond is a more horrible songwriter than his dad, if that's possible. It rains in California and washes out the dirt as you were, Adams tweeted, mocking Albert Hammond Sr.'s 1972 song, It Never Rains in Southern California. Um, yeah, so he then went on to say, what did he say? Uh, he was talking shit about Julian Casablancas, um, saying, yeah, Julian, uh, who got you strung out on lasagna, though? Now, this I thought was funny because I, Julian Casablancas is not fat that I've seen. Even if you Google, like, Julian Casablancas fat, like, nothing. You can't find any photographs. Yeah, so it was just sort of a funny, like, you're fat. It's like, what? Uh Reminds me of that scene in Almost Famous where uh, uh, Jason Lee's character says to Billy Crudup, and he goes, let me tell you what n no one else will tell you. Your looks have become a problem. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, that's a great line. Yeah. And uh, that's something I say to myself in the mirror every single day. Like, when <laughs> the fuck did you get old? Your looks have become a problem. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and, and I guess they were such good friends that, that Ryan Adams had done a whole album covering Stroke songs, too. So I guess that's just his thing. Like, I went on Spotify to see just what some of his top songs were. And number one played song of his is Wonderwall. And then obviously he's known for uh, the Taylor Swift album, which that's when I started to get annoyed by him. Like, people are like, it's actually really good. And I'm like, I prefer T-Swifts. Well, that's... I have so many thoughts on that. Yeah. First of all, he said it was his therapy to get through his divorce from Mandy Moore was that he really got into Taylor Swift and somehow it was super therapeutic for him to cover her entire uh, 1989 album, which is like kind of weird and sad, dude, because like Taylor Swift was born in like 1992 and you were born in 1974 and you're just like way too into this girl like i get it because when i went through puberty learning how to play whole songs on guitar was very therapeutic to me but i also was just getting breasts so i don't know what your excuse is ryan adams but it's like a little bit weird um also a lot of the articles i read had quotes from people about what a great songwriter he was and i was like but then why aren't his original songs the big hit i can't name one of them i really can't um but uh, yeah, I, I, is it a stretch to think that maybe he's doing this whole cover of Taylor Swift songs that he's going to get an in with her and then that was going to be his new... I bet that was like... I bet that was part of it because we're yeah. going to move into our creepiness of him factor. Oh yeah, I can't And um, before we get to how he's a fucking perv, we can talk more about how he's just like a douchebag brat. Um, yeah. In 2002, um, so he's not super famous yet. He's had one hit song. I think he's had some Grammy nominations. And um, he's playing a show and a fan calls out, play Summer of 69 um, by the similarly named Brian Adams. And what Ryan Adams did was he stopped playing. He insisted that that fan leave. He paid wow. them $30 cash out of their his pocket to refund their ticket. And he refused to start playing until that person had been removed from the audience, which it's like a dude, pretty innocent joke. 
Yeah, it's an innocent joke. He said later that that person was drunk and he was trying to play quiet songs and that person kept yelling. And that's why he... Maybe true. I which, don't know. Yeah, it, let's give the artist a benefit of the doubt, but also just to be like, here's $30, get out and leave. I've had that thought with customers who are difficult tables that right. I'm waiting on. And I just want to be like, let me just give you the cost of your meal to leave. If I give you money out of my own pocket, can I never see you again? I've wanted to do that, but I don't because I'm a professional and I have self-control. But uh, Ryan Adams doesn't show a lot of self-control in his life. Right. Uh. So, well, and there's just a way to roll with it because like, so it's funny. So I saw Beach Slang uh, with with, uh, Ash, my friend in nashville and he had said to me he's like they kind of remind me of like an older goo goo dolls and i was like i don't really hear it and then so we're there and before they even started playing this guy yells out he just says goo goo dolls and then the singer goes well give the people what they want and the guitarist just started playing goo goo dolls there you go they're having fun with it so just kind of like maybe roll with it a little you know that your name is almost brian adams somebody when this new when this news came out about Ryan Adams being a, a dick and all of this, somebody uh, like tweeted or whatever. They're like, somewhere Brian Adams is screaming, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because I'm sure he has to now he, he probably really hates Ryan Adams because now he has to deal with this in a more negative way. Or he's like, finally, people just know I'm the good one. He's the bad one. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, a 2011 Guardian article um, about the resurgence of Ryan Adams' career said that he had, at this point, developed a reputation as a boozy, druggy brat. And I think that's a good description of him. Yeah. Um, he also said in regards to his like drug and alcohol problems, which some sources say he went to rehab for or whatever, and this is after him like getting quote unquote over them, even though he never said that he was sober. He ne- also never said that he had a problem. He's like, the reports of my drug use were grossly exaggerated. A lot of what I was doing was like a mind opening experience. Um, like, sure, there was there was opium. There was a lot of opium, but not a lot of heroin. I mean, I wasn't you like that sort of right. thing. And just being like, okay, there was opium, but not a lot of heroin. And then he said he got diagnosed with this Meniere's disease, which is like an inner ear issue where you get vertigo and hearing loss and, and you tinnitus. Need heroin for that. Well, no, he said that's when he stopped doing drugs because they're bad for it. They can make the disease worse. Right. And so he's like, yeah, like speed balls aren't super good for Meniere's disease. And I'm like, so like Here's the thing that you're not saying, which is that if you're doing speedballs, you have a fucking drug problem. Yeah, it's not a casual no. Friday night thing. Because yeah. a speedball is heroin mixed with cocaine, right? Right. Like, that's something you do because you want to get fucked up. You got to function because you're doing shit all the time. Yeah. Like, it is, it's not a casual drug. Right. I know a lot of people who've done a lot of drugs. I don't know anyone who shot up a speedball. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was so funny for him being like these reports were so exaggerated. I'm like, I don't know. Everyone's saying that you're getting them into heroin and like, well, I think it's the only there's only a couple places where I can kind of defend him and just and not even defend him, but just say like, listen, they're, they're grown men. Like to blame somebody. I mean, they're not. I don't know. Were they blaming or just being like, yeah, the first time I did it was with him. I think they were just kind of talking factually yeah. in the book or the way that they remembered things and then uh ryan adams got really defensive about it and they didn't really take any shots at him so i think i have a couple other quotes in here oh yeah so julian casablancas in the book had said um said did i specifically tell ryan to stay away from albert i can't remember the details to be honest I think heroin just kind of crosses a line. It can take a person's soul away. So it's like if someone is trying to give your friend a lobotomy, you're going to step in. And it, it, I think it was that that prompted uh, Ryan Adams to go on talking about lasagna. Uh, but yeah, and then he called last impressions of actual songs, Adams tweeted. I should have forced them to get addicted to writing better songs. Too bad the killers did it for them. And it's like, dude, I just don't. 
because I'm a hardcore Strokes fan, I'm just like, dude, this guy sucks so bad. <laughs> like, Yeah, also he's a grown man that spends a lot of his waking hours in Twitter battles. Right. Which is like well, never and, a sign of maturity. And that's where he found all these like young girls too. So if he's not fighting with some dude in another band, he's like trying to pick up young chicks. Yeah, so do we want to get into this? I think we can, yeah. I will say, okay, he did. He married Mandy Moore, and they were married. She's 10 years younger than him. They started talking when she was 23, and I think they got married when she was like 25 or 26. But they were married from 2009 to 2016. And I want to say that up front just because a lot of these interactions where the allegations from other women have come forth took place during this time period that he was married. So I just wanted to put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So main main allegation is from this uh they're using the name Ava, which is her middle name, right. because she was a minor when these events took place. But in twenty thirteen, um this girl Ava was fourteen. She followed Ryan Adams on Facebook. He followed her back like right away because he's always on his fucking smartphone. Uh-huh. And she was like, "Whoa!" And she sent him a message saying, "Hey, uh, thanks for the follow back or whatever." And they started talking. Um, they never met in real life. But they had this sort of relationship that went on for three years where they would have Skype sex. And she said the first time they did it, he was like, oh, Skype me, Skype me, Skype me. So she Skypes him and not expecting it at all. He's just fully nude. Yeah, which happened with another girl, which we'll get to later. But that's like his move. That's his move. Yeah, like all the greats got their moves. Like R. Kelly, like his move is is peeing. Yeah. And to be fair, I get the fully nude surprise because one of my favorite moves is when you leave the room to come back and I'm fully undressed under the covers and I pretend like, oh, I was just cold. I'm all bundled up. (laughs) And then it turns out that I am fully nude under there. But also we are mature adults Mm -hmm. and we're in a relationship. So it's like less weird. (laughs) But it still bothers me. You know? It does. I know that you hate to see me naked. <laughs> right, right. You know. So, uh, yeah, they never met, but that wasn't for lack of trying. So it seemed like uh, that ramped up in uh, when she was 15 years old. It said over a year span, there was over 3,000 texts from <laughs> when she was 15 and 16. In and- a nine-month period. Let's unpack this. Yeah. 3,000 messages from him in a... Hold on. Let me crunch the numbers. We gotta... (laughs) Go ahead. Because that seems like a lot. We've been dating for a little over six months. I don't know that we've messaged each other 3,000 times. No. There's no way. Okay. 3,000 divided by nine. People love math. Okay, it's 333 divided by 31 days in a month. Okay, so, so it's, it's like 10 a day. It's like 10 or, 10 or 11 a day, but that's every single day. Yeah. yeah. And what? how much do you have to say? Number one, you're allegedly busy. You're running your Paxam music studio. So how much do you have to say to a teenager? Like, Right. It's uh, To me, it seems like if he was indeed trying to help her jumpstart her career and thought she was talented, it should be like, okay, um, yeah, let's let's meet up and I can record you. Why don't you send me some of your demos? Show me what you got, whatever. But it doesn't sound like it was any of that. So, um, yeah, he has some pretty creepy. So apparently he had like pet names for her body parts. Stop it. You have some of those pet names. They didn't include it in the New York Times article. But um, I think you also saw that it said, I never see pics of you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, when he was 40 and she was 16 and she had kind of tapered off of talking to him because she realized like this guy does isn't really going to help me with my career. He's just a fucking pervert. And he messages her, I never see pics of you anymore. And it's like, yeah, because I don't want you to see my body because you're a fucking pervert. Do you remember how old 40 was when you were 16? Right. And now I'm staring at it, right? 
yeah. <laughs> down the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm 34. If a 40 year old's like, I want to see your body, I'd be like, let's talk. But like, right. yeah, if I was 16, I'd be like, gross. Yeah. So that's that's pretty bad. But, um, you know, he's famous rock star. So he's like lording that over her, which is another one of his moves is, yeah, I can help you. And then if you don't have sex with him or do whatever he wants, then he like takes that back. He's super volatile. Um, I will say before I move on to a different case, this is the one, this girl Ava is the one that there is an FBI investigation open for. And it's, um, so in, she's in Ohio and in Ohio, it is a felony to solicit uh, materials of anyone under 18 in a sexual setting so if you're asking for nudes from an eight on someone under 18 that's a felony um and so it's a similar law in new york where ryan's uh ryan adams is a resident um so the fbi is like all up in this shit um but like this wasn't his only uh well let's spend a little bit longer with this one though because this is the juiciest yeah oh is product. it i mean yeah so i mean just some of the quotes so so apparent i don't know how they had access to this if this was just the girl showing the text whomever yeah these facebook messages or whatever but uh said i would get in trouble if someone knew we talked like this um and then he, where did he i just want to get it Correct, because he said uh, people would probably compare me to like an R. Kelly or something if they knew we were talking like this. LOL. And he would he would like coerce her to say, please tell me you're 18. Please tell me you're 18. And I think what he wanted was he knew she wasn't 18, but he wanted record of her saying that she was 18 so that he could have some sort of deniability about it. Yeah, and then he asked her to hold up an ID. He's like, prove that you're 18 in the most sexy way, you know, oh, thinkable. Yeah. <laughs> show, show me your ID sliding out of your fucking vagina. And she never, like, did any of that. Well, first of all, she didn't have any of that yeah. identification. It would have said, I'm 14, which is what she should have done. Yeah, but I think she was like... She wanted a career and was like, yo, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you, especially grown adults don't know how to handle these situations, let alone teenagers. I will tell you this. Here's an anti-moment on the show. We talk about this a lot in regards to abuse. The minute someone tells you that you should keep something secret or you feel the need to keep something secret, that should be your indication that something is wrong. Um, I just. But know- you're not gonna tell anybody what we talked about, right? I tell everybody everything about you. It's on my other podcast, Decency with Delorean. You, that was. I told you that in confidence. I don't talk about you. <laughs> okay, then. Like your stuff. All right. <laughs> but I don't. I just. It's one of those things where when I was in an abusive relationship, there was a lot of. Um, stuff that it was explicitly stated or implied that I was not to tell other people because right. it was like, are you telling your friends this? I don't want your friends to hate me. And it's like, well, like, first of all, if you want my friends to like me, how about you first of all, be nice to me and and nice to my friends? Like, that's the best way to get people to like you is by being... Spice Girls said it. Yeah, yeah uh, being a decent human being. But a lot of it, I just felt the need to keep secret anyways because... I I knew it was wrong and I knew that if I were to articulate to other people what they would think of it. And so just if you're in a situation in life where like you feel like you can't talk to or you're being told not to talk about something like that's a sign that you should definitely talk to someone about it. Right. And uh, get records of them being weird. Yeah. Record them. Keep the receipts. I don't (laughs) I need to inform young people about signs of abuse. I don't need to inform them about keeping receipts because the younger generations, that's like their thing. That's what the Kardashians taught them. Well, and people are dumb, too. I mean, if you're going to be doing like creepy stuff like this, at least know that there's like records of it. Wouldn't you know, like. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm doing something risky. At least be smart about it. Like, well, make a phone call. <laughs> that was um in our episode on William Control, who is a fuckface, shitty musician who was sexually abusive to women. What he did was he would get the women before the abuse fully started. 
He would he kept everything. So he kept all the text conversations, all the sexual conversations, all the nudes that they sent him. Uh So then when he turned around and would like beat the shit out of them or do really fucked up stuff, he'd be like, well, you can go to the authorities and say I abused you, but I have records of you um, consenting to things with me. Consenting to sex, but not getting beat up or whatever. Yeah, basically. And it's like, yeah, well, it was a consensual relationship and it morphed into this, but he would basically try to blackmail them and be like, I will show the cops all of these photos you sent and it's going to tarnish your... um, like reputation and your uh, believability because they're going to be like, okay, well, this girl is sending sexually explicit photos to this guy and now she's mad because he fucked her. Like, right, right, right. So, right. yeah, he was very good about that. Yeah, but when – I think no matter what, when there's mounting numbers, it doesn't look good. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um. So I did find um a little bur- blurb about uh, some, of, some of his quotes here. So – says, I never see pics of you anymore, Adams wrote in November 2014 when he had just turned 40 and Ava was newly 16. You were blowing my mind. Uh, He had pet names for her body parts. And no, there are no names for that. But uh, days later, Adams expressed anxiety. If people knew, they would say I was like R. Kelly, LOL, he wrote. Yet within 10 minutes, the conversation again turned explicit. I just want you to touch your nipple, he texted, before again asking about her age. And tell me that your mom is not going to kill me if she finds out we even text. So it sounds like he's, he is afraid and yeah. knows he's doing stuff, but he's like really flirting with that line. And he has no self-control. This is someone and this is common in like. Um, in the field of arts and particularly music where this sort of like rock and roll no boundaries attitude is is that like people who have impulse control issues can flourish in that environment because there are no boundaries to them so they don't have to develop self-control well and yeah he did a michael jackson he kind of thing but so he talked to this woman's mom too and was like yeah this could really be a good thing for your daughter like mm-hmm. i could really help her out uh, honestly that could have been a different girl there's so many but uh so we can move on really soon but i just wanted to and there's more of these it it, it gets juicier but i don't want to just read verbatim all of the new york times article so if you're into that <laughs> just go read that but um yeah so his lawyer is basically said okay well ryan adams didn't know that she was underage uh she and she looked like she was approximately 20 mm-hmm. like so he's basically saying yeah she she didn't look 16 to me. Yeah, she used to play music live in like clubs and stuff. And so he's like, oh, Ryan Adams saw pictures of her playing at these clubs. And like she, he assumed that meant she was older. Whatever. He fucking That just knew. makes the lawyer sound like a scumbag too. Like. The, yeah, he is. Uh, right, right. That's his job. I know, but it's just kind of like R. Kelly's dude too he just he sounds like an, almost a bigger piece of shit than r kelly he, he might be he might yeah. he might could be um, um yeah because it's one thing to be an idiot and think that what you're doing is right which a lot of these people do your r kelly's your ryan adams like he is a volatile human being who thinks he's always right and that's one thing to be a shitbag who thinks you're you're in the right it's another thing to be a paid professional who knows that the person is in the wrong, but to defend them anyways. Um, and so and kind of attack the accusers and stuff too. Yeah. This lawyer didn't really attack the no, accusers. No. He more or less said like, Mr. Adams never did that. You knowingly. know, knowingly didn't do this. Right. He has no recollection of that. Yada, yada, yada. I want to move on to this next chick, yeah. Phoebe. Um, and I apologize that I forgot her last name. Bridgers. So she, again, connected with him via music. He said he wanted to record her. They got together. She played him a song. He's like, I want to record you. Here's a very expensive vintage guitar. Yeah, and you sound like Bob Dylan, he told her. Oh, yeah. 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 Which I'd be like, okay, first of all, I'm a lady. So how dare you say I sound like Bob Dylan? (laughs) Yeah, you think I sound... Hey! Hey. (laughs) 
Um, so he gives her an expensive vintage guitar and says, come back to the studio tomorrow. We'll record. She comes back with seven songs. They record an EP and he's like, you should become the opening act on my next tour. And she's like, this is un- like, this could make my career a hundred percent backing up. So they had start, he started flirting with her, sending flirty texts according to her. And they did start kind of dating They and, and he, discuss marriage within a week yes so that's within a week they're discussing going on tour together getting married he's still married to mandy moore at the time because i think this was in 2014 so he's married to mandy moore about yes i looked i this is why i wikipedia to check all the dates yeah he is technically still married to mandy moore they might have been separated i couldn't find that information but okay here's another warning sign children if you start discussing marriage a weekend, there could perhaps be some romantic mania happening because it's just like they go from not knowing each other to spending all day in studios together, recording, talking about going on a three-month European tour, talking about marriage. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. And I know it feels good to be in love. It does. But that's like an unhealthy type of love. Right. And that is how it quickly spirals into him calling her and asking if she's like, well, I'm busy. I'm doing this. She would have to send him pictures to prove that she wasn't lying about what where she was or what she was doing. And if she was out with friends in social situations, he would insist that she would leave so she could go have phone sex with him. Mm-hmm. Because he's one of these self-important fuckwads who thinks that his boner is the most important thing in the world. Like, I don't care that you're an autonomous human being doing your own thing. I have a boner. So you better fucking attend to it right now because I'm a baby and I'm used to getting everything I want when I cry for it, which happens with a lot of wealthy, powerful people is they are like infants that they cry and their needs are met and it sets a bad precedence. And then when it turns to sex and they behave like that, they become sexual abusers and manipulators. Yeah, he sounds like a really needy. Yeah. So then, like, also, he threatened to commit suicide if she didn't reply yeah. right away. That's ins- that's like that's a lot of fuckboys that we all dated in junior high. We know them. They're out there. They suck. <laughs> um, but like, he's a grown man with a successful career with Grammy nominations, running his own record label. I know that he's fairly wealthy because when him and Mandy Moore divorced, he had to pay her alimony because he made so much more money than she does. And she's a famous actress. So it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude, when you are this successful and you're threatening to commit suicide if a chick doesn't answer your text? Get the fuck out of here. Obviously, he's just it's just a ploy to get her, you know, to or he meant it. That's the thing about fuckboys. They mean shit when they say it. They mean it when they say, I want to marry you. I've never loved anyone like this ever before. But you know what? They probably are going to say it to someone else within six weeks. So, like, it's just how they are. Yeah. So he has some emotional problems. So it seems like she broke up with him. Like, like that didn't last very long. No. And, and then he canceled the tour. Well, so this is, like... So they're saying, yeah, and then uh, he didn't release the songs and he didn't take me out on tour with him. Now, I'm not defending him, but I can certainly understand, well, if you broke up with someone, even if you're in the wrong, like, why would you want to bring that person? I Yeah, I get it. But also, like, this is maybe where you shouldn't mix work and relationships, I say, as we're recording a podcast together. Um, But I... He's probably if you had a if you had a contract to release her music, you should have released her music. They probably didn't have a formal legal contract because they were in a relationship and she felt she could trust him or something. So I don't know, because if things were more formal, he would have legally been held to releasing the record, taking her on tour. And I think eventually, like years later, that that EP did end up getting released. And then everyone was like, yeah, you can credit uh, your success to Ryan Adams. Yeah. And, blah, blah, blah. and can you imagine this is like what Kesha went through where you finally you work your butt off through the adversity of the industry and you get success. But that success is credited back to the person who abused you. Right. So like Dr. Luke 
raped and assaulted Kesha a lot. And then she became a famous pop star and she's so tied to him because he produced this album. And so a lot of her shining accolades involved him. And to have your abuser linked into your life that way has got to be terrible. Right. Um, And so, yeah. This dude sucks. This dude sucks. Also, I don't like his face. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just I if you're lo- looking for a biased, you know, two sided kind of discussion about Ryan Adams or you're a fan of his, you came to the wrong place. And I- I'm sorry. And again, my only knowledge comes from one chapter of this book, New York Times, and and just reading some of his tweets about a band that I like. So, I mean, he's everything about him. I was just like, ah, fuck this guy. But um, it, it again, I just believe every word of of all of this because there's so many different stories that are all kind of one in the same story. But so anyway, so she did break up with him, but then he kept kind of dangling. Oh, all right. I have a show for you. If you want to come out and do this and it's a really big, it was right before her, her album or EP was going to be released. So she decided to do it just to kind of promote it a little bit. And he asked her to bring something up to his hotel room and Da, he, da, da. He was you looking fully, for me? <laughs> yeah, he was fully nude. Yeah. Because um, that's his move. Surprise. And let's, if there are any men listening, that is not what ladies want to see. Because a naked woman, there's curves, there's beauty to our body. You can look at it all at once and you go, oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful sight to see all at once. The male body... <laughs> While I appreciate it as a heterosexual woman who regularly makes love to a man, the male body. I'll tell you off air. I'm not going <laughs> to ta- tell you who I'm fucking on air. Okay. Um, the male body is less delicate to look at. It's a little more harsh. There's more right. angles. And if you are not expecting to see a fully na- nude male, it can really throw one off their game. Yeah, in my experience, some women will even throw up. You know? Yeah, so... <laughs> so I stopped surprising them. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and it said uh, that there were a few more anonymous artists described similar things with him. You know, there was something with Liz Fair that she... I forget really? who... It, well, I don't know that it was like... Just as far as him wanting to record songs with her, she recorded songs that never got released or something. Because it's all a in ploy. the midst of all of this, somebody else had like tagged Liz Fair and was like, Oh, do you see this? And she was kinda like, I'm not gonna go into it here, but yeah, there's some some eerie similarities going mm-hmm. on here. Um so so who knows what went on there. She didn't say anything, but at the very least it looks like yeah, he likes to kind of hold songs to himself and be like, oh, yeah, you yeah. can't record anywhere else. Or at least that's what he did with Mandy Moore. Yeah, she, so she said when they got married, she was at a weird transitionary period where she had been a teen pop star. She's becoming a woman. like, And this is generally where um, you know artists will do an album that establishes I'm a woman now. Britney Spears was not a girl, not yet a woman. Like Miley Cyrus did bangers, you know? Um, and so th- it's kind of a standard thing. If you're going to maintain a role in the spotlight, you need to do something that says I'm an adult mature artist now. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of came to Mandy Moore and was like, I'll help you do this and leave your manager and any other when she left her manager, other management would be like, we want you. And he was like, no, don't work with anyone right. but me. And you which. Know what- if he was actually supportive and stuff, would have been great because he had a, a a big record label and is, I guess, you know, good for that. If he actually put her stuff out, but he never released anything, yeah. and then also would berate her and be like, "You're not a real musician. You don't play an instrument." Which to go to that, yeah, she she named that in the, in the article, but I was like, I want to split hairs. But if you if you don't play an instrument. Are you a musician? She's a musical artist, I guess. Right. I she think... she writes and she sings, which is Yeah, she's yeah. she's an, an artist and a singer. But I was like I was reading all these horrible things going, What a dick, what a dick. And then I saw that and I went, Well, yeah, you're you're not a musician. I used to I dated this uh 
abusive alcoholic when I was like 19 to 21. Mm -hmm. And he was a quote unquote artist. He was a painter. He did oil paintings, whatever. Right. And he used to always say to me, you're not an artist. You're a craftsperson. What I do is art. What you do is craft. And at the time, I just like let it go because I'm insecure and I like would let people be mean to me and I'm not about to split hairs. Right. Um, but it always really bothered me to be like demeaning of what I do. Also, I wasn't walking around telling people I was an artist. Right. It wasn't something I said that then he felt so the need to counter. Yeah, it just came out. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I didn't even say I was an artist and now you're saying it. And then I recently read an article about that is a historic term that has been used for hundreds of years to distinguish work done by men and women. Right. So throughout like centuries of civilization, work that men did was considered art and work that women did was considered craft. Those were labels used to demean the stuff that women did as less than what the men were doing. And so I was like, this mother, like I just, it's been like 20 years since I dated this guy. (laughs) Well, I know it just like reminded me of it. And I'm like, this motherfucker, who gives a fuck? Like, let me do what I do. Let you do what you do. Who gives a fuck? But no, you're so insecure. You feel the need to disparage other people. Right. And I can say, as I'm looking at the audio files on your computer, I see burping, poppers uh hooter what is that hooters you're definitely an artist i mean <laughs> i love it i love it i i am uh uncle I'm not, rico's t- i don't i don't <laughs> i'm not i like i am a degree carrying artist with several art degrees no i I'm, also have been written about for my art so like oh babe i was i know uh, but joking. i'm just i know i'm just like yeah yeah for someone to be like yeah what you do isn't art and i'm like okay well maybe not to you i don't yeah. give a fuck like, this is just cracking me up as we're going. It's just burping. I'm like, what is that? Burping, poppers, yeah. hooters. Well, these are names of episodes oh, of no, this I podcast. Know. I know. I'm a listener, so it's I know. It's a successful podcast. Is there a burping episode that I can go to? Yeah. Between the weeks, burping. Okay. I've missed that one, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that, so that's a thing that he did. And it's like, all right, dude, well, you're a musician, but... Uh, you're a shitty one <laughs> yeah like okay. and you don't and he, it sounds like the bulk of his stuff is covers so yeah and he's so proud of his recording studio that he made because it it includes all this recording equipment from famous studios so it's like these were elvis's vocal mics this was so-and-so's mixing right. board these were the cables used to record acdc's back in black and you're like Okay, but like that actually has nothing to do with the artistry of making music. You're just a music fanboy right. and like shut up. Yeah, none of that makes you good. better. Yeah. Uh yeah, Mandy Moore said that uh oh, did I not she had a quote that was like music was definitely something he used to hoard over and manipulate right. women. Right. Um and I was like, Yeah, I see you girl. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think we skipped over, or maybe we're going to get to eventually, but, uh, Courtney, Courtney Jai, J-A-Y-E, and that was just kind of a quick sort of thing, but, uh, she uh, referred to him as, uh, or her encounter with him as Hurricane Ryan. Oh, yeah. So she said he kind of quickly started moving in on her and she was kind of denying him, denying him, and eventually he wore her down and they slept in the same bed but they didn't hook up and then uh, oh yeah and it said that she had been formerly like sexually assaulted and she's like i didn't know what to do like i just froze right and uh it's like i get that which is what happens with a lot of trauma victims is it's not always fight or flight it's also freeze and um a lot of times like you know your ptsd is activated and you freeze and you don't know how to deal with a situation like that um and a lot of women have sex that they don't want to have because it's in their mind at the time it's oh it's easier just to let it happen than to like fight back or get out of it right so she and uh the young girl ava uh both had said how they just didn't want to make music after this. I think Courtney Jive did continue making music, but for a year she just like didn't. Uh, and Ava, I don't know about that younger girl if she ever went back to it. But I, I think, think it, it said just, she doesn't play. Yeah. She hasn't played any. It's well, she hasn't played any shows since. I don't know if she like 
you know, noodles around at home. But right. it, it reminded me of the girls, and maybe we'll do an episode at some point about it. The guy, John Krasvaluski, who was the creator and animator of Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. And he had... He was a, he was a pedophile, and he had two fourteen year old girls that he like got to be his girlfriend, um, separate times, um, and they were both young illustrators that he like was speaking at their school and said, "Hey, I can make you an artist. Come intern at you know my my studio for the summer." And for them, their experience of becoming animators was so intertwined with this weird sexual assault of I'm 14 and my boyfriend's 31. And it was just so fucking weird. Like neither one of them work in art or animation anymore because yeah. they just were like, I saw that the way. so creepy because I've, I've been a huge run in stimpy fan forever and mm -hmm. i just saw this she just pointed this out to me a few months ago and i was like oh my god like it was just such a weird rap that he had it's yeah because they would come live with him and everyone at the company knew that they were his girlfriend and it was like they thought of themselves as this like wild west like animation studio where anything goes right. we're so avant-garde and bohemian and so everyone knows like hey my boss is 31 his girlfriend's 14 but it was like normalized somehow and so these girls kind of have a bad impression of the entertainment industry because it turned a blind eye to them being i i would say sexually abused because they were young um by this dude is he dead or what's going on no okay um no i don't know if what's well maybe on? we'll do an episode about sure. him and we'll find out what he's up to since those allegations came out because i don't believe any charges were pressed because the statute of limitations had right. expired um which is it's it's a shame that that happens and a lot of states are working to change it because there's a statute of limitations on reporting uh, childhood sexual abuse, but a lot of victims aren't able to talk about it until way later in life. Uh, we saw that with Finding Neverland where these victims are in their 30s and they can just now like barely right. talk about what happened to them. It's just uh, difficult to prove, I think, as time goes on too. So it's... but. Yeah, I think uh, definitely in the case of uh, leaving Neverland, there's enough of a trail. Yeah. I mean, um, it didn't look good for Mike. So. Yeah. And these are all cases of men saying, I can help you with your career. Right. And I I have had that happen to me just with this podcast. I had a really fucking weird, yes. creepy situation of someone telling me that they were opening a division of their business to produce this podcast and they were they were in the process of building a video studio because you know I you don't know it yet but you're going video you're gonna have I have advertisers lined up I have this I have that and I'm like whoa 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 I don't know you and like Plus, didn't he have like no knowledge of some very like very fundamental <laughs> right. he works in online marketing but i i assume is at a very novice level because in my time knowing this person they were taking a facebook marketing course mm -hmm. and it's like okay you're not a professional you don't they had when i met them they asked about the podcast i said the name subscribe whatever right. and they were like i can't figure that out so i grabbed their phone subscribed on it a month or two later they still hadn't listened and they're like where can i listen to this and i was like i gave you a subscribed and they go well can't you just create an email list and every week when the episode drops you email a link to the episode right and it's like how fucking old are you that right. you think there needs to be an email list yeah. like you subscribe to it on approximately 15 different apps. Like you can right. subscribe to it. Like that's how podcasts work. So yeah, they had no fundamental knowledge on how podcasts work and how like you. And then he wanted you to like meet up for things that did not require meeting. meeting yeah. And I was like, I was like, no, like, this is, I hadn't spoken to the person in months uh -huh. when they said, I'm starting a division of my company. I'm already building the studio. And it's like, I was like, no, dude, I'm fine. Like, I actually don't need you. I, 
as far as I know, you aren't a professional in the industry that I'm in. So I don't know why I would need your help. Right. And uh, and also, doesn't it sound creepy that you're already building a business and a studio for me without talking to me first and finding out if that's something I would be interested in? Yeah. And that's when they said, well, wouldn't it behoove you to at least meet with me to discuss things? And I just said, I don't think we have anything to discuss. Yeah. Like, I'm not dumb or naive enough to like, but I can understand people being like, if someone actually is successful in their industry, you know what right. I'm saying? Hey, listen, if Marcus Parks or Stephen Ray Morris wants to meet to talk about my podcast, I would be open to that. Right. But also neither one of those guys are a creep. So I would know that it would be a business meeting. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I can understand if you met someone who is successful in the exact way that you want to be successful, you would want to believe that they would help you out. And uh, what we have found out with R. Kelly, with Ryan Adams, with Michael Jackson is that, like, their help does not come <laughs> for free. No. Uh, yeah. He just wants to have sex, pretty much. He want he wants to surprise you naked and show you his gross boner, and I bet he has. Shag- you don't know that it was a gross boner. I bet be it, I bet his pubes are all shaggy and moppy like his hair. <laughs> um. So then there's Megan Butterworth, mm-hmm. uh, daughter to Mrs. Butterworth. Oh, I've heard. yes. No, uh, that's Butters Worth oh. with an S. It's just Megan Butterworth. Um. So I think this was the woman who just he just broke up with. Okay. I'm not sure if they were married, divorced, something. But I think they, they were dating. Okay. Um, but yeah, she had the same story as anybody else. It's just he became really controlling, uh, physically intimidating, though he never hit her. Um, and he threatened suicide and lawsuits. So I don't know what the basis for those lawsuits were that he was threatening. But um, yeah, so it sounds like everybody kind of has the same story to tell and not a lot of people came to his defense, which tells me a lot that he's this. Everyone's like, yeah, he's this volatile person. He throws fits and threatens if he doesn't get his way. And no one's all like, oh, no, I had a really great working experience with him. Right, And I'm sure they exist. But I think a lot of people are just like, shit, I don't know enough about this guy. Something seems off. I'm not going to run to defend him. But um, that's the long and short, I think. Um, so fuck this guy. Fuck this. Don't guy. literally fuck him, but fuck this guy. Yeah, and his music's just not good. That's my main thing with him. If you want to listen to some good music, listen to Taylor Swift. Don't listen to Ryan Adams. <laughs> yeah, and if you're gonna listen to little sad acoustic music, listen to like Elliot Smith or something like that. Yeah, somebody with actual talent. Who doesn't threaten suicide? They fucking do it. They fucking do it. All right. So there we go. Okay. All right. Happy hump day. (laughs) Yeah. Bye.